Hello and welcome to the Coast Football Ramble Podcast. This week, we review our games against Wellington and City. We catch up with Mariners winger Jaden Casella, and we discuss why we are winning the league. I'm Pete, and I'm joined by Luke, Josh, and Morrow. Lads, lads, lads. How happy are we today? Howdy, winners. How are we going? This is life. (laughs) This is the life. You know what we're all here for today? Winning pod, baby! Four in one season. What is happening? We Sorry to anyone driving right then. Are we... Seriously, but are we... How many games did we win, win last season? Uh, five or six? Four or five. Uh, five, I think. Okay. And yeah. then, like, so it's been less and less every sort of season before that, hasn't it? So we're, we're almost two games off the winning pod season record and we're six <laughs> games into the season. Uh, How good. You love to see it. Imagine not being first. Wouldn't wouldn't be my club. Wouldn't be my club. Not at all. Let's um how 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 is everyone feeling today? Still buzzing after I, last night for sure. Yeah, I I watched the replay this morning and it was just as good the second time around. Um as opposed to being there last night. Can't wipe the smile off my face. A little bit tired, but um, it was just absolute elation last night. I may have watched the replay when I got home, and I may have watched it again this afternoon. So, yes, uh, very, very good You know what the best thing is at the moment? It's good to care again. It's nice to feel things. It's nice to feel things, because I mean... Feel something other than contempt. Yeah, like in in times gone past, it's, it's very much been, you know... When, to go. Yeah, and when the opposition have scored, it's very much been a sense of, uh, here we go again. Here we go again. I yeah. don't really feel much, but, I mean, we'll get into it soon. But one goal down last night, two goals down last night. There, was, there wasn't there was too much, uh, you know, the world's going to be ending here. It was very much a case of we're not out of it from what we've seen so far this season. And I think, how good is that to have for the first time in The changing mentality yeah. is... Yeah, it's huge. And I think that that change in mentality has also come across to off the pitch. And a well. real real genuine emotion because after the Sydney game, then those who saw me, I was ridiculously faced for at least half an hour, perhaps <laughs> three or four hours after that. And you were just, in a state. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and last night... You're so in a state and a limo. Apologies to, those, apologies to those people who may have seen me after the game last night because I was probably cuddling them and um, I was certainly had the Joker smile plastered on my face. <laughs> and um, there was obviously a lot of moisture in the air because some of it may have been near my eyes at times, but... Um, <laughs> So apologies to anyone who uh, saw me walking back to the car park because I was in my own little world. It was a very emotional night all around. We'll get to that a little bit later and unpack and delve a bit further into that. But first and foremost, we have Fred's question. Now, Fred asks, there was something clearly missing on the field versus City without Boz and Niz. If they're out for longer, who do we put in those positions? Interesting take. Um, I think I see where he's coming from because I did say about 10 minutes in geez I'll miss Nizzy out there because he gives that sort of that x factor what do you guys think yeah I I, I think to put a positive spin on this is that yes I would probably agree there was clearly something missing but what we brought in added something else yeah not necessarily the same factor but what we brought in worked a different dynamic yeah a completely yeah. different dynamic I mean I think Stensness last night uh, probably missed Bazanic the most out there mm-hmm. in the midfield. Yep. I think Stens probably didn't have his best game 
um, was at fault for the lead up to the McLaren goal, mm-hmm. um, and but on the other side of that, also played a big part in two of the goals that we scored. Yeah. So <laughs> it was sort of a weird night for him. He it was sort of the stenzis of last season, if you will, where he was sort of did some really good things and did some maybe not so good things but sometimes maybe good sometimes maybe good sometimes maybe shit so um no but i, I think he probably missed Bazanic the most and obviously having casella come in for niz as a different type of player but it worked yeah it worked and i think to to be able to have to be able to swap someone in like for like in the in the position but add a different type of dynamic to our play is really good we talked to him before, but I think Casella did a great job last night. Got his yeah. first goal, played well. Can't really ask much more for a for a young player to come in and uh, and contribute like he did. I would say that yeah, like you said, Luke, something different. So maybe if the word missing was changed to different in that question, then I'd feel totally comfortable about that because um, some of the sort of uh, quality for instance that we saw in Yonada playing alongside Stens there was something different I'm not a suggestion that somehow Ollie doesn't have that quality but I feel like Ollie plays this more uh, controlling role where he is sort of dominating the direction that the team is taking and dropping in between the central defenders to really you know start every single sort of attack and, and really be in control of that whereas Yonada he was making players run in the opposite direction mm. that he was going and touches I don't think I saw him drop between the two so last night no. much no. if at all no Stenz, Stenz was playing more of that deeper sort of role yeah so maybe that's what maybe unsettled Stenz a bit last night but really impressed with Yonada oh yeah yeah it just showed enough there and uh, you know when they're 100% fit and we can get four minutes out of them imagine when we get the pair of them Ollie and uh, and Yonada on the pitch at the same time with um, Niz, then we miss that absolute machine that goes around just ripping the ball out of other people <laughs> and then, you know, punching it to our next guy quickly yep. so that we really have an impact. Um, but as you've said, the players that we brought in there, they've got a sort of a different um, style, if you like, and uh, that style really was um, effective. It looked a bit sus when we were two down. It wasn't, I wasn't having so mm. much fun then, but um, but we just didn't give in and we fought and... Uh, so somehow, without them, we are still good. And I think, I think, I mean, hopefully, and this is a guess, Bazanic was obviously rested, uh, and he also had the slightly bung shoulder um, from last week. So maybe he might come back. From Pete, Sunday, yeah. Pete, he, you're looking at me kind of funny. Uh, Niz might be a chance as well he on, was, come um, back on Sunday. Niz, Niz should hopefully be right from what I've heard around the traps. I know Ollie was very, very sore. Um, his shoulder okay. did come all the way out. Um, apparently so <laughs> just on that note dislocations I do not like <laughs> bad bad not good they make me cringe a lot I've never dislocated something and I never wish to just I just want to put that out there yeah it looked like a nasty one when it happened as well you can tell that Ollie's not the kind of player who's going to go down for, for no reason or make a or try and milk things so to speak um, you could tell he was in a bit of strife there so yeah um, hopefully he's, he's back sooner than later and um, and we see him uh, leading leading the charge at the top of the table. I guess the impressive thing we could say is, you know, maybe our two best players being out, but we still won a game. Mm. And that shows a squad that anyone in the squad can come in to the team and do the job. And we're going to have to have faith in that now. I'm going to make the admission right up front before we talk about tipping that I tipped against us <laughs> because I felt that Ollie wouldn't play. And when that happened and we went 2-0 down, I started thinking that I'd made the right decision. 
and now I am going to have to have better faith. So my bad. I can't believe the negativity on that side of the room. I know, Incredible. I know. I know. In saying that, I, I tipped a draw. <laughs> I, I suspect at least one other in this room may have tipped against us, but I'll let yes, it me. <laughs> I'll just admit it. I, I've I've been tipping every time I've tipped against us, we've won the game. So I'm just going to keep doing it. Yeah, please keep I'm going. Just gonna keep the, I'm just going to keep the reverse curse going. So let's yeah. go. I uh, actually did pick the correct score yesterday live on Mariners TV. I tipped three uh, two Mariners and. And Matt Simon, anytime goal scorer as well. Didn't have money on it, and I am spewing. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. That's a significant fail. Oh, that's mate, it, it was good odds too. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we live and learn, hey? Do we want to touch on Sunday's game before we deep dive into the uh, incredible scenes of last night? I think very quickly. I, I, think, I, I think, think we should definitely unpack it a little bit. Yeah, I, this game was like the Wanderers game all over again is what I felt like mm. it was it was we did not deserve to lose that goals against the run of play and um, it, it's something I actually said when we were 2-0 down yesterday um, we're sort of making a habit of these goals against the run of play and you know you don't want to fall into those sort of habits this early in the season no 100% it was just like the Wanderers game where we dominated um, and got undone by a uh, sucker punch in the last few minutes. Yeah, I I would say that Wellington from maybe the better team for the first 20 minutes of the game with when Davila got that that goal to put him in front, but for the rest of the time I thought we were the better team. Yeah. And Davila was did not deserve, really Yeah, Davila was awesome. Yeah, he was their main threat and we oh, the only threat I reckon. Yeah, and I, I think we we probably gave them a bit too much respect, a bit too much room. Yep. Um for the whole game really. But yeah, the second half I thought the second half against against Wellington, we played extremely well and probably deserved to get a couple of goals. Uh, twenty three shots. Twenty three shots we had to their twelve. Yep. So pretty unlucky, but that's that's football. You get you can get done on the counter at any time, and um, you know being Soterio is even more annoying to be honest. Well, let's talk about <laughs> that goal as well. That Soterio finish. Um, well, it, it's 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 around the emotion because I I left the game feeling like we'd been robbed. But the difference mm. was that the last couple of years at times I've left the game feeling like I was robbed by my own club and team. Mm. Uh, but this night I felt like we were robbed by somebody. It was either the opposition or it could have been the refereeing or the VAR. Where let's start the argument about um, that particular moment with Soterio and oh, yeah, I don't I don't I don't like to go full on refs fault very often because like you said the last. Yeah last sort of five or six years it very often hasn't been the ref's fault it's been ours <laughs> but this felt like ref's fault surely what, what, what is 100%. if that's the if the opposite, shoe's on the other foot if that's the opposite mm-hmm. if that's a defender yanking on a striker mm-hmm. to pull him away from the ball it's a pen every day of the week every day of the week and doesn't it uh, slow down the momentum of Negro and speed up the momentum of Soterio when he grabs yeah. him that is the key moment when you can tell that that has been a full shirt tug and it, um, I, I was it I didn't watch the replay of this game but it was hardly from what I saw it was, wasn't even mentioned on the broadcast no, like not, not at all not even spoken about not at all no, that's a surprise I, I don't not. I don't understand that at all and raising it I've had plenty of sort of argument that um, you know that that was nothing much etc etc and look for the record Negro has got to be stronger in that situation he's got to clear the ball earlier yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah well I think he probably you know I'm superhuman so surely he can equal me I think he probably could have got something on the ball on the 
full, even if it was just, head, at least, or, just, yeah. just some sort of a touch that sees it go out for a corner, sees it go to um, Beerus or sees it go anywhere, anywhere but where Soterio has a chance of getting it. Once it gets over there um, and the ball's bounced, then it is difficult for Negro. But even still then, and even with the shirt tug, I accept for those who argued with me that he's got to be stronger there. But to me, that doesn't change the fact that a shirt tug is a free kick, simple if, as that. If Stefan goes down there, does he get the free kick? Well, that's a good point because I've seen I've seen the argument from a few people that say, well, because he didn't react to the shirt pull or didn't react in any way, that it's not a... That's the stupidest that's argument. That's a dangerous precedent. That's the is stupidest that what, argument I've ever heard. Is Who cares that what if he didn't react? Degenerated to? He was more disappointed in the fact that we conceded and I'm glad that he was of that and not, you know, completely going off of the ref or whatever, but mm. you shouldn't need to react at the ref to get VAR involved or to get the ref involved or... That's I, that's just a stupid yeah, argument. Couldn't the ref, didn't, didn't the ref on field see it? That... It seemed pretty obvious to me, but I don't think so. Who knows? Who likes know. who likes the idea that they're seeing players dive on the pitch? Yeah, yeah. Well, anyone who doesn't like diving on the pitch, that's how you earn a free kick, apparently, according mm. to that theory. So mm. I'm sorry, yeah. but that's not how I want foot to, football to be. That's no. not how the football I play on a Saturday, well, used to play on a Saturday, is, and it's not how I want the football to be in the future. Unfortunately, yeah. It would appear that that is a nasty part of our game now. Just just touching on our goal with Kowal from a set piece, we we discussed it on previous pods about how we're a taller side and we're looking better at set pieces. A set piece goal right there sort of proved that point. What do you reckon about the rest of the season? You know, our threat from set pieces, and while we think about it, Clisby still on set pieces, and was mentioned before about not having anyone on the back post for set pieces. Is that a tactic? Like, why isn't there anyone on the back post? Hang on, are you saying in attack or in defence? In attack. Probably a good question. And defence as well. A good, a good question for both, yeah, but I think we need to utilise our height this season. Tong Yik and Kual and Stens. Yeah. A lot of them are still going to waste. Bit of evidence there, though, that we know what we're doing in that. The, was it uh, Danny De Silva to Clisby for the ball across to Tongich to almost put it past Glover? Glover got away with it, but mm. um, anywhere other than where he heads that and the ball's in the net, so... Mm. We've got something up our sleeve with our free kicks. Well, we need to play on it more, yeah. Yeah, let's have a look um, at some of the delivery that Clears was providing in the Wellington game as well. We could have been two up in the first eight minutes there. Uh, the first one, I think, a Matty Simon header over the bar. And the second one was a delightful ball to play Simo through into the clear. Um, and he just didn't get the purchase on his shot. Yeah, I, I've, I've been 100% critical of him all season, really, and last season, uh, because defensively I think he's made probably too many mistakes um, and probably made one last night as well for the first goal. But I think I think in the last two games going forward, he's provided a lot more. Mm. Some really good balls into the box um, that we haven't capitalised on. Um, and I think he's improved a lot. They are low. After the first, first sort They're of low games. and hard and swerving. Yeah. And um, mm. we love you, Monty. But remember when Monty <laughs> used to float those corners in and oh, yeah. we'd all, you know, neck ourselves? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the They're Monty, not like that. The Monty corner years. Exactly. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, no, fair play to him. You're probably right that I think in the situation when Noon turns back on the inside, he's got to know that he's going to do that. He's a left footer. Mm. So he's got to make sure that he channels him towards the sideline, not towards the box. And he maybe, you know, makes a little mistake there but at the same time he wasn't the only one we should have gone through to follow the run of Luna to pick mm. that up so you know these mistakes happen um, yeah I think I think the 
the most positive thing about that is that there's intent behind Clisby's attacking play the last sort of couple of games. There's more of a direction about it rather than just whipping in across to nowhere. You can s- I think that's a really good point, yeah. actually, that he looks like he is playing within guidelines that he really understands now, and that's not putting him in as many you know fragile situations as maybe he was in last mm. year and, and previously. Do you reckon Stad just sort of got in his ear and told him exactly what he wants and you know what direction he wants, wants Clisby's set pieces sort of to go in? Probably done it with all of the team, to be yeah. honest. Sort of looks that way. We're pretty well organised. Clisby's always had that set-beast delivery in his locker, though. We've seen it. He's, he's not been necessarily the most consistent, but the ones that he does hit well, he hits well. Yeah. And we even saw last night, De Silva had... There was a corner there in the corner there in the first half that went straight out for a goal kick. So it's not it's not just <laughs> Clisby. Um, I, I, you know, we are clearly, like you said, that Tongyik chance that we had last night so we are working on our set pieces but mm. some of those dead ball deliveries i think we've still got room there to improve there's always room to improve yeah definitely yeah. definitely especially yeah as you say going back to with the size that we've got we need to be utilizing it but um doesn't matter because we won lads <laughs> yeah. yes. oh, very important please we can kick the ball at 90 times a game for a like if we keep doing if we keep having bloody comebacks like that uh two nil down of course it was uh adrian luna and sir taps a lot that put city ahead um nice shank mclaren <laughs> we were it's not what the fox pundits we, said this we were all over them the first 20 minutes again it was that that sort of um goals against the run of play that, we were that I yep. all over them and i was like like we just sort of spoke about before, we were like, no news, no boz, what's this impact going to be? You could see that there was an impact, but from what we were lacking in a few things, we were making up for in other areas with Yonota and Casella. Mm-hmm. Like we said, completely sort of different dynamics to the two players that they were replacing, but it was working. I mean, we were all over them. And then to cop that goal, that was so frustrating. Yeah. I think, so I think as soon as we went 2-0 down, we dominated the rest of the game. Yeah. So well, I'm just looking at the stats now. 16 shots to 6, 5 shots on target to 2. And I saw a tweet that Melbourne City didn't have a shot all second half. So it was well, all us. McLaren touched the ball two times before he scored. Yeah, no, he wasn't. He wasn't getting any service. There was, was no. There was no room for him to play. There was no room for Luna to play either. Nothing. Nothing. And but when they scored the first goal, up until they scored the second, they were all over us. They were. Mm. Luna was just carving us apart for like 15, 20 minutes mm. um, until we got until Kua, No, not Kua, What am I talking about? Until we got our first goal, um, they were just completely all over us. And but like I said before, even though we were two 0 down, there was no. There was no, uh, this is going to be three or four. It just maybe felt like, oh, it's going to be one of those nights where, you know, we cop two goals against a run of play and nothing will go in. Um, but there was, yeah, that 20-minute spot of them just completely sort of dominating us, and then we just flicked the switch right before half-time and got ourselves back into it. That goal before half-time was absolutely crucial, I think. Perfect. And it was really well worked, that goal as well, with, uh, was it Simo and De Silva, Urania all involved mm. to... Uh, get Casella a tap in at the back post so that was really well worked and good to see great team goal and uh, no, it's, it's I, was, I was just about to say that it was nice to score a footballing goal yeah and, if and that makes sense a like, one touch <laughs> a one touch football goal yeah like we it was it was City's goal kick and which like I spoke about Stins and the way he played before but he was the one that won the header on halfway from the City goal kick straight to Simo 
I think Simo basically held off, held off three players almost to get the ball out wide to De Silva. Great play. Yep, yep. And and the Urania ball, like the vision and the just the the the, the football brain just to Exactly. It was yeah. just the perfect weight so that the ball is right there where Simo can casually put that across to Casella and Casella saying that um couldn't miss from there. Well, I certainly could and uh, plenty of others <laughs> yeah. have, but um, I think I think it's an easy goal in hindsight, but it's nice and composed for Casella. Like yeah. someone you know who hasn't really been on that stage before. It was a pretty big night. Um, you know that could have easily went over the crossbar and season's gone past. Or <laughs> oh, I can think like of that, many players who would have put that into Brisbane yeah, Water. Yeah, hundred percent. Mifsud would have missed that. <laughs> Andrew and, Hall would have missed that. Ooh, yes, tough on Hooli. DJ. Um, but yeah, and you know, smart from Casella to obviously be there as well because it was. Like I said, that play started from City's goal kick, and he he came out of nowhere to be on that right side, completely open. So good, perfect play all bit around. Of a, bit of a sign of the club, and that Matty Simon is. I was too, about to say, very he's unselfish. His, he's in his two hundredth match. Yep. How much do you want to get on the board if you're a selfish bugger like me? That didn't matter too much later on, of course, because he uh, got himself. He won the pen. And uh, speaking of people who don't miss pens, Matty Simon stepped up and. Dispatch that with a plum. Didn't Atkinson have an absolute stinker? Gave away that penalty on Simon when there was really no need because that was the only oh, option that Simo had. Last night. It was, yeah. That was the only option Simo had was to feel the contact in the back, it go was, down and get the it was get an easy pen. The perfect toucho. That's what it was. <laughs> the perfect. Stick your bum out. Stick your ass out. <laughs> wait for the contact. Fall over. Win pen. I'm not sure if Profit. Atkinson touched the ball, but he spent a lot of time complaining at the ref, complaining at us, complaining at everybody. But uh, yes, I he's would a, call that a stinker. He's, he's a weird sort of player because, like, he's an Ollie Roo. Mm. When he first burst onto the scene for them, I actually really rated him. And there was yeah. a, a point there when I think his contract was sort of up in the air, and I thought we need a left back. I'd pick him I up. Would yeah, probably take him. But based off his form the last yeah, season so and, a, and a bit, I'd be like. Mm-mm. But then you got so Matty Simon scored in the fifty seventh, and then Karen Stokes for City gets sent off three minutes later. That was a big, a big turning oh, point. No, and no, the not sending a, off, yeah, the sending off, and then <laughs> go back and watch Alu. the broadcast. The sending off, and then the sending off of the sending off. <laughs> yep. Uh, Alu Kowal. Alu is like my favourite player. Absolutely quality. <laughs> oh, that's a that's, a, that's an Aaron joke. <laughs> I make no apologies for that. <laughs> I love Kowal. It is a good one. <laughs> what, what a, what a great character and what a great personality for the A-League. I, he's so good. I just love his... Quality player too. Shithousery. Complete shithousery and can play on top of that. Like, And speaking of Atkinson, he, he, he also played a part in that red card because it was him and Stokes that mucked around at the back and stuffed it up. And, and then Kowal was that basically, again, like, like the goal he scored... Uh, against Newcastle, it was just his energy that yeah, got pace. the red card because see ball get ball is basically his sort of mental <laughs> <laughs> mental state. <laughs> and Stokes Stokes had a couple of cracks at him just yeah, before the actual decision. He had a crack that had uh, Alou gone down for that one. It probably would have been a yellow because mm. there was no intent for the ball in the first one. He just put the hip on him, mm. and then it, it came together with the second one. And I mean. You can say what you want, but I've, I looked at um, the previous yellow card and thought to myself, is that really a yellow card or whatever? Of course it was a yellow card. Every yeah. day of the week, both of them were. So, yeah. you know, it's just silly play and didn't seem to be much leadership back there, did there? Yet another no, red no. card for City as well. I think they've had four red cards already this season. And yeah, I think the next best club is maybe like one. So yeah. and I, that's a yeah. problem for them, but haha. If you haven't seen uh, the... 
broadcast or the replay, go back and watch it and after the red card gets shown. <laughs> Just thinking Kowal, about it makes Kowal, me laugh again. Yeah, in a good wave. Kowal walks into the screen through picture just waving at Stokes right in his face. The poor kid was nearly in tears by the yeah, time he got to the tunnel as well. He's like 18. Oh, really? He's like 18 as well. Oh, Kowal's no. like... Oh. Kowal's just, I do not care. See you later. So good. Definitely some struggles there at City, but uh, I'll tell you what, wasn't Struggle Street. Danny De Silva's winner. Oh, my days. That was a screamer. That's what we were waiting for the last, what, three years. <laughs> yeah, I, and it's kind of funny too because that 20-minute period where City were all over us, Luna was the one that was really carving us up. Obviously, scored the goal, was controlling that midfield. Stensness couldn't really keep a hold of him and Luna ended up being the one that was probably at fault for the De Silva goal because from our, from our angle in the bay... When Luna had the ball and when De Silva won it off him, it looked like a free kick 100% of the time, but it was no, just it was yeah. just the was angle. Just well won, yeah. And then when I watched the replay, De Silva clearly gets the ball yep. and leaves Luna in no man's land. And, I mean, what a run, what a finish. Yeah, the one-two with Quall there. And, yeah, you got um, there. Shout out to, to Alou for that little touch to yeah. get him away, which, which was perfect. And mm. De Silva absolutely smashed it in from 20 yards out. Bloody screamer. A goal, a, a goal that deserves to win any game. And what do we love to see? We love to see players really putting in the effort because if I'm right, then before this, Danny loses the ball. There's a little... Yeah. We get hemmed in on the sideline there a little bit and he loses the ball. Luna picks the ball up. Can't consolidate the ball because De Silva has not given up on this yeah. by any means. Yeah. So he just harasses him into losing the ball, takes it off him, takes it away, makes the perfect touch before their other guy, whoever that was, could, could get there. Alou makes the perfect touch. Danny's first touch is perfect and then he just smashes it passed. And that's that's what he's added to his game, even even before Stage was here, that defensive like harassment thing. It, it's he's he's not your typical lazy number ten type of player anymore. Mm. Like he might have been when he first sort of come onto the scene. He was just I'm gonna stand here in the final third and you, <laughs> you give me the ball, I'll do a step over and I'm not gonna do my sort of, Couple of defensive duties. Too many academies, yeah. Too many academies, too many <laughs> late curriculums. Shout out to Mick Komet. <laughs> yep. Doesn't work like that here anymore. Doesn't work like that here at the Mariners now. If you're not putting in your defensive duties, you are not in that starting 11 or in the squad at all. No. And that and that's 100% why that goal came about. Got to have that level of, of wanting it, that level of desire yeah. to, to absolutely run through walls to get on the pitch, I think. Yeah. And, and for co- me, like, it's, it's not, it's, I don't want to get too sort of, dramatic but I'm I'm hoping last night and that goal for him is him finally realising what he can do like and that's that his sort of coming of age game coming of age goal coming of age moment like that's what he needs to do because he's 24 now mm. Next um, yeah. last season of the very world's most complicated bloody contract <laughs> um, needs to continually do that now there were a lot of emotional things that happened last night. Uh, one emotion was Alou waving off um, Stokes. <laughs> um, Danny De Silva, though, brought the fans into the emotion with his uh, efforts after the goal um, and, uh, you know, tapping the badge. I'm going to say that um, somebody told me, okay, it was Paolo. Paolo told me. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Paolo. Uh, hello, Paolo. Sorry. Uh, sorry for what I'm about to say, but um, Paolo told me hey, that no. Danny I'm would uh, never pull on the yellow shirt again. 
well, after um, he went to Sydney and uh, after Paolo went to, I don't know, wherever he is. And uh, so not only has Danny, of course, pulled the yellow shirt on, but tapping the badge like that. Oh, my. Not wow. talking shit about you love, anymore, Paolo. You love to see it. Absolutely love to see it. This is a man whose heart's in it, and uh, that's what we want to see as fans out there. And when you see that, you can't help but be pulled in. Mm-hmm. And we did well after that to close out the game, I thought. Yeah, game well. management was actually good. Yeah, yeah, I was I was watching when I watched the replay this morning. Harper was saying that the last five or so minutes we were looking a bit nervous or whatever. I didn't really, I don't know if I agree with that. I, I thought we we closed it out pretty well. Um, I think they had one shot uh, that young blonde haired kid Mills that come on for City mm-hmm. had that one shot that just squeezed past the post. But I mean, you're going to have that all the time. So I I don't think we went. We never really went completely into our shell in that last sort of. 10 minutes I think we we still tried to play we didn't sit way too deep yep. which we've made that mistake plenty of times in the past oh yeah um, and yeah I think we closed it out really well and something that we haven't mentioned which was I didn't realise he was on the pitch till the 85th minute when he made one mistake was young Maxi Ballard Maxi Ballard how good he, was ca- about he came on good. and looked like he belonged straight away I, absolutely he, he come on in the 55th minute or something around about then yeah I don't know why we I often tend to miss things up in the bay there behind the goal but I didn't even know he was on the pitch until he made that one mistake and I thought who is that and then I realized he was out there for like nearly 40 minutes absolutely belongs to be out so there and I, that I think it's probably I said, a compliment that I didn't even notice he was out there well yeah I think I said in, in pre-season this kid's going to be as good as an easy yeah and we've like comfortably we've we've all watched the NPL plenty I think Max has been here two-ish seasons now maybe two and a bit yeah two or three something like that and Probably behind Nisbet is, is the next best midfielder that we have coming through. That's coming and through. Yeah. So, he, had a, he had a breakout year last year as yeah, well. Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, if if anyone hasn't watched him and last night was your first time, that's what you're going to get from him. He's Mr. Consistent and he's he's not, you know, he's not flashy. He's, he's, he just does the job. Does the dirty work at the yeah. sort of the, the base of midfield, but also has a fantastic range of passing as well. Yeah. Yeah. How good is it to see so many of our academy players coming into the first team squad mm. and contributing? Which and that's why everyone should go to Plume and watch Academy. Yes, yes. <laughs> like, go to Plume. Then they I've been watching Max them for three is. years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, beautiful. I think I think it's an important point uh, while we're on that though. There's to give credit to Nick Montgomery who has taken on the academy. Um, probably the perfect kind of role for him with all the experience that he has. Um, obviously, was here during our during our high times, if yeah. you want to call that. Was here during our low times. <laughs> has dealt with kids on probably both end of the talent spectrum that have ones that have probably come through and gone on to bigger and better things, and ones that have maybe come through and not quite so made it. So he's probably seen what what maybe needs to be done or what needs to be improved, um, and he's taken that academy to the next level, and it's been really enjoyable to watch them the last two seasons as you've been in charge yeah, yeah yeah i mean between him uh his assistant sergio who i think came in this year yeah. um and ken shembury as well unheralded but um he's a big part of that success in the academy there so um exactly right luke huge props to them and yeah. i think a great link that's forming there where monty is having a real sort of impact on the on the first team um, and and Max Ballard's a great example of that. That he highly rates. Ma- I actually spoke to him yesterday for a few minutes, and he actually said, "Max Ballard, you wait and see." And sure enough, he yeah. comes on has a has the impact that Pete and you agreed on. That um, 
you didn't notice because he was just pushing the ball around uh, with no fuss the way that United was before that or maybe the way Bazanic might or even the way Gianni does and uh, even, you know, did the right things at the right time. Was it him who dipped his head to um, cop a boot close by so that we could have a free kick yep. to waste uh, 30 to 60 seconds when yep. it counted? Yeah. We love that. Yeah, and I, I think for those of us that have been watching the Academy the last four seasons even, even when we weren't going great in the first team, this has been coming for a while. Yeah. We've seen that talent start to come through all started with Ben Khan shout out to Benny love Benny um, yeah he brought Niz Gianni Adam Pierce, Miller um, there's one more and I'm forgetting I think Hatch uh, yeah Hatchie as well and he also brought through Trent Bahadja Lockie Wales mm. Steve White who obviously Wales and Bahadja at, at uh, other A-League clubs Steve White is with Benny up at Olympic in Queensland arguably an A-League level player that just missed out. Um, Big point so, about those three guys, though, is that they're three blokes who are locals, and yeah, that's why yeah. they should be here, as I think Benny would yeah. think, does think. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so. and then we've got Dan Hall waiting in the wings. If we, oh, yeah, but, 100%. So, I mean, I I mean it's, it's, it's all started with the work that Benny did a few years ago, taken on by Nick Montgomery, who's taken it to that next level. And, obviously, has a pretty good eye as well, because I think Nick Nick brought in a Lou. He did, he? yep. He's now brought in his younger his brother. Brother Garing, yep. Who's going to be here this week. So Allo actually says that uh, Garing's better, better than his. Yeah. yeah. Imagine that. That's yeah. exciting to think about. <laughs> That's going to be crazy. I'm keen to see him for play the NPL this season. Yeah, I think... Well, he's only 16, so you'd think he'd probably be playing around either 18s 18, or 20s. 18s, yeah. Probably yeah. 20s even. Yeah. Um, depending on how quickly he can adjust and everything like that. But soups excited. Yeah. I feel like this is our DNA, though, and that's the thing I discussed with Monty yesterday. We've always had um, some great ability to pick youth, and I don't want to argue too much about who picked them, but right back to when Tony Wormsley, I dare say, was the coach of the youth side. Uh, And I know Laurie... um, uh, who I don't want to mention too much about Laurie because of our rivalry, but um, Laurie <laughs> was a big part in that as well. But we've always developed and promoted youth in a variety of ways, a variety of coaches, etc. But there's been a gap there. And uh, so we've just, you know, returned to where we really should have been and where we can really make an impact. And uh, it looks like it's paying off for us again. Do you think our best crop of youngsters coming through since the, you know, the Bernie... Juki Fitzgerald youth team from what 2012 2011 2012 I think it's probably the I'd, best I'd say since it's then. the best since then yeah definitely yeah, yeah. yeah no 100%. question about it because you got players now like Nizzy who are pushing for an Ollie Roos spot Kai Rolls again probably pushing for an Ollie Roos spot um, you know even Aloe Kowal potentially yeah. um, you know he's, he's very green he's raw as but you know he wouldn't be too far away from it yeah, and stepping away from that to some extent has allowed players that we really should still have in, on our books, and I'm Bahaja, White and Wales are the three I'm thinking of, they should be still on our books um, and because they're locals. But we stepped away, we lost those guys, who knows, maybe we can get some of them back in the future, but um, at least we have returned to the formula that has you know, kept us well um, when we've been successful. And there's a few more other guys waiting around their wings too with the academy, really. McCarthy? Yeah. Yeah, there's um, definitely uh, Mikey Katsoulis could be one. Katsoulis, yeah. Even Sikanis. And oh, we haven't mentioned um, Smiley either. Smiley's Smi- coming in. Actually, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Smiley's another one. Mm-hmm. Um, Damien Sikanis, who's actually already very well liked by Stadge as well. Yeah, there's a lot there. Matthew Cahill, of course, is over in Hong Kong on loan at the moment. I mean, we had, what what was it? We finished with 45 goals last season. Yeah. Um, across 12 games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
um, with 14 different goal scorers as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> There's yeah. a fair bit of uh, talent there, which there is, is good. And and I mean, the, the way that we're going to capitalise on this is to obviously lock these guys down to contracts. Um, who knows what's going on within the A-League and transfer fees and all that sort of stuff. It's a whole other conversation, but... So if there is a transfer fee, if we have to lose one of these guys to a big club, then at least get some money for them and for the betterment of the club. As as annoying as it will be to lose somebody to a rival, that's obviously how football should work. But ideally, we want to see these guys go overseas and Mm. start their sort of overseas career and go on to bigger and better things. Good segue, actually, to the um, you know the big picture where the A League this year seems to be full of youth, and uh, how spoiled are we? We're seeing some of the quality of these players, that young Adelaide uh, boy, and uh, oh, probably his he, brother as well. <laughs> Which one do you pick? Um, these we're getting spoiled here now, um, and I think people are just realising that actually the the quality of this competition in terms of entertainment is, hasn't gone down by the drop in salary cap and the the mm. predominance of more youthful players in it it's actually gone up and people are really enjoying it the quality of the a-league has gone up this season i think for sure this is i mean i I don't know if it's a if it's a combination of because we're obviously going better but (laughs) i i I feel more engaged this season than what i have in the past which i I think think does have something to do with us obviously going better but (laughs) i i think i'm excited to watch like an adelaide play because of their young talent i'm excited to watch a brisbane play because i get to watch Denzel Wenzel Hensel Halls play. <laughs> so those are the those are the types of guys that I'm excited to watch play and it's entertaining. It makes it more enjoyable to and watch. It's great obviously. to see so many young Australian players getting a go and playing really well and deserving to yeah. play. So this is something that I actually uh, had a chat with Vince Rigari about the other uh, the other day. I think it was on Sunday, um, and I spoke to Andrew Clark about it yesterday as well. Name is- drop! Oh my! Double double name <laughs> drop! Double name drop! Drop! Pow, pow. Drop! You dropped a Paolo, I dropped a Ben Khan. In comes Vincent Vincent Andrew Clark. Vincent right Clarky. Um, but could COVID potentially be the best thing that's happened in terms of? youth development here in Australia. Stage said that after the yeah. MacArthur game, that exact that exact thing. So I think 100% it's one of the best things that could have happened for us because like, we haven't seen as many foreigners come in. We've still seen foreigners come in, obviously, but not as many. And there's been opportunities for young players to come through and play really well. Mm. For sure. It's just, you, you just got to look at what you've seen on the pitch for the entertainment value. After all, we are in that industry and it's entertaining. It's, it's drawn me back into watching all the games every week and all of that. And yeah, fantastic. Loving it. So joining us on the Coast Football Ramble podcast this afternoon, we have Mariners speedster, Jaden Casella. Jaden, how are you going? Hey guys, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Great to be on board. Great to have you alongside us, or uh, uh, virtually alongside us today, I should say, anyway. Um, let's kick things off with a couple of quick-fire questions, mates. Uh, your source, in the cupboard or the fridge? Yeah. Oh, definitely in the cupboard. Yes. Good man. Good, good man. man. Yes. That the first one, 100% of the time. Is that the first one this season? I think so, yeah. Like everyone else has put theirs in the fridge like freaks. And I, yeah. I, I knew I liked you. This I, is an I, incredibly I controversial question, so yeah, it's important. You've yeah. done well. Um, next question. Uh, who's better, Matt Simon or Messi? <laughs> Oh, look, I think you always know we're going to get with that with uh, Simo. He always puts in 150%, whether it's at training or in-game. So I'm actually going to say Matty. 
<laughs> yes, easy one. Yeah, of course. That's easy. the right answer as well. Strangely <laughs> enough, everybody else has also said oh. that. <laughs> He's two from two. How good. <laughs> Ding. So you obviously, uh, you came to the club in December on a scholarship deal uh, and you found yourself starting the first game of yep. the season in our win over Newcastle. Uh, how did the move to the club come about and were you surprised that Stadge gave you the call up for the first game of the season? Oh, look, I think um, football is always a, a moving sport. You know, things happen uh, quickly or they happen within time. Um, and, yeah, look, I had a, a great season in the MPL. I obviously come back from overseas playing in Spain. Um, had a great season in the MPL and then had a contact at my MPL club that um, got me a trial at the Mariners. And then I was in the, uh, I think I was there for about seven or eight weeks, um, just training every single day coming up from Sydney. Um, and they were interested um, into signing me on a scholarship deal. So I ended up signing, and then, um, look, I was just putting 100% at training every single day. Um, every day I was there and, and managed to uh, find out a couple of days before the first game of the uh, first game of the A-League season that I'd actually be starting. Um, so, yeah, look, a, a lot of emotions were running through my head, but had to just stay composed and ended up, um, ended up playing a... Uh, quite a good match and uh, we ended up getting the result at the end of the day which was the main thing so look it was it was very very good it was a very good moment for me as well so speaking of spain you just mentioned it but you went overseas to spain and you i'm probably going to butcher this pronunciation but Mislata cf and levante um so how did that move to spain sort of come about for you and what were the key things that you learned over there Oh well, look, I had a I had a main contact when going over overseas, and that was uh, Yanni Talevsky, and um, he when I was at um, Sunderland Sharks as a youth player, he really really put some belief into me, um, and told me basically to get me um, to try and get some contacts and links to go overseas to Spain. So yeah, he played a big part in getting me over there, and um, I met um, uh, an academy called Medi Sports, basically where they. They uh, design players or they have, um, well, the main guy of that, Oscar Medina, he's a contact that linked to many, many clubs over in Spain, especially in the Valencia um, area. And um, he got me a few trials at, um, at some actual first and second division clubs for the under-19s teams, as I was a bit younger back then. And um, ended up getting a, a gig in the under-19s, Torre Levante. And um, played there for half a season and then got managed to get picked up by fourth division side Miss Lata CF. You said that right. <laughs> um, and um, then try to try to bug my way into the starting lineup there. Managed to actually start the first game of that season too and played played the whole season as a striker over there um, and got some got some great exposure. I think I ended up getting like I think it was second top goal scorer of, of that league and then was cut short by COVID. So it ended up being really good for me. Nice one. So you've uh, got a bit of well-rounded youth experience um, before coming here with Sutherland Sharks and uh, Wanderers are part of your youth career. What do you think with the, and then of course over yep. in Spain as you've described, what, what were the things that are most, were most different about um, Spanish youth football when compared to your Australian youth football? Oh, look, the, I think the difference is um, in Australia, it's a lot more physical. It's a lot more physically demanding on the body, whereas in Spain, it's all about technical ability. Like in Spain, you see some of, some of those people, like some of those players there are just freaks. Like you one minute they're on your left and the next minute they're 30 metres down the line. Like I just feel like with their movements and everything, they're a lot more, a lot more technical and on the ball, whereas here it's, it's a lot more tactical and, and about the physical approach to a game. Um, 
in uh, in terms of um, of players outrunning players and um, and if uh, at the end of the day in Australia, if I feel like if a team is more fitter than the other team, it's going to have a, a a massive advantage on um, on twisting the game and uh, whether that goes up or down. Um, but yeah, that's what I that's what I feel is the, the main main difference. So you did mention there as well that um, COVID sort of cut your Spanish adventure a little bit short there. You um, returned back to Australia and signed with uh, Rockdale in the MPL1, uh, won the premiership down there and um, had a pretty stellar season. I watched a fair bit of, um, watched a fair bit of the uh, MPL1 That's season and, and yourself with Rockdale. Um, what was your experience like down at Rockdale and um, how did that sort of prepare you for your step up to the A-League? Yeah, look, so I didn't really know what was going to happen. Obviously, um, when I came back to Australia, I had intentions of um, going back to Spain as I had, uh, I had a few, um, a few uh, pending offers in Italy, Spain and Czech Republic. Um, so I didn't actually have my mind set on staying in Australia. Um, this was obviously before I signed at Rockdale. But again, that contact, Yanni Tolevsky, I mentioned earlier, he was, um, he was uh, linked with the Rockdale first team. Um, and he just said to me, "Oh, come in just for some training and stuff to to keep you um, to keep you fit in a in a team environment." Um, and like with n- nothing to go and sign, but basically just to train on. And I was like, "Yeah, no worries," because obviously I had intentions of going back. But um, I saw as COVID wasn't getting any better, so I um, and I knew that they were doing like a COVID cup, so I, I told them that I would sign on for for that season, and then ended up being really good for me. I got a lot of exposure and. Um, Worked my way again into the starting lineup, and then as I started starting games, I uh, was m- making a difference and, and just doing what I could to to twist results into our favour. We, we managed to win the premiership, got a bit unlucky in the grand final, but um, yeah, look, that just that kind of just built me up, got me used to uh, the Australian football again because obviously that change in um, in playing in different countries is, is is not easy. It doesn't come easy, you know. It's it's um, it's completely different football. Um, and you have to adapt and get used to that. But, um, yeah, that kind of uh, bred me up into um, getting used to that, obviously, men's competition at Rockdale there. So then by the time I went to Mariners, I knew that it was going to be another step up. So I just basically gave it everything I got and, and uh, worked my way in there. So you scored your first first uh, A-League goal last night. So massive congratulations for yourself and uh, great performance. Uh, yeah, still much. probably on a high, I would imagine. Um, on a pretty emotional night as well for Matty Simon as well. Um, what was the mood like in the yeah. sheds after the game? And um, you sort of talk us through last night. Oh yeah, look, it, it was it was really good. You could tell that it meant a lot to to everyone, the players, the coaching staff, because um, we we have been working really hard all preseason and during the season as well. In um, and it's not and it's not easy, especially coming uh, off the three day turnaround and um, changing our tactics up for. Uh, knowing how Melbourne City play and what we've got to do. We've obviously got to change it up compared to how we played Wellington or compared to how we played Sydney FC. So um, there's obviously a difference there. And same goes to uh, when we versed Western United this Sunday. Um, but yeah, look, just coming coming from that, even walking in at halftime at 2-1, uh, Staj kind of said something that stuck with me. And he's like, and he said to us, and he's like, boys, we're actually not going to lose this game. He's like, it's going to twist in our favour. And Everyone, you could tell that everyone kind of kind of listened into that, and uh, we went out to the second half again. We're on top, and then we managed to to get our three-two um, victory. And look, it was it was very good for me um, uh, being able to score my first A-League goal. But obviously, it was put on a platter by um, Matty Simon. You know, there was it was a complete team goal. Um, Gianni won the header. 
went straight to Matty, shrugged two players off, you know. Went Danny down the line, straight into into Simo again, and then back to me, you know. So, um, yeah, it took it took the whole team to get that victory last night. And um, uh, after the, after the in the sheds um, after full time, there was, there was music blasting. Everyone was going crazy. No, they all loved it. We all we all really enjoyed it. And yeah, definitely still on a high. Yeah, so we got a couple of fan questions here. One from Andy Jennings and Zach Colbrook to sort of go into each other. Uh, they both want to know what's it yeah. like playing with players like Matty Simon and Ollie Bazanik. Obviously, players with a lot of experience, and we've got a pretty young squad. Uh, so, what what's been their sort of impact yeah. on the younger players like yourself? Oh, look, I, I think it's actually had a massive impact not only on me but on all the other boys that are in and around my age. Because, um, yeah, basically, when we're on the training field, we look up to them. You know, Ollie and Matty, they um, they're very they're very boisterous. So. Um, they all they're always telling us what they think uh, what they think uh, we should be doing in the sessions and what could help our game and to just basically stay composed especially if a new kid from the MYL comes up to training you see they're the first ones going in telling them like just stay composed uh, train how you play you know like so I think that not only on me but on everyone else they have a they have a massive um, they have a massive impact on everybody because they, at the end of the day they're the ones we look up to and they bring the team together. Um, and I feel like if we're, if the young boys are playing well, it's only going to, it's only going to make the older boys push them even more, you know? So it just brings the team up, uh, brings the team spirit up a lot as well. So I think it has a, a very, very um, important, uh, it plays an important role in, um, in Mariners altogether. What's the best spray you've uh, heard Matty Simon give <laughs> that you can share? What's the best what, sorry? What's the best spray that you've heard Matty Simon give that you can share? Like, has he really sort of uh, oh. ripped into anyone sort of uh, on the pitch or maybe maybe on the training park that you've heard? Uh, mo- you know what? Most, he, he's give, he gives it a lot to opposition teams, but when it comes to us, normally he'll just, he'll just uh, I, know, I know for sure, and I can speak off, um, off my own, um, what I've experienced, uh, when he loses the ball, if you were to win the ball off him and turn away and run away from him, you know that he's turning around, he's breathing down your neck. So I feel like that's de- that's definitely that's definitely a scary thing, you know. Uh, winning the ball off him, like as soon as you win the ball off him, you know you just got to release it. Oh, you're going to come down and 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 try and win that ball, no matter how no matter how it is, ball and all or whatever it may be, but. That's that's one of the main things that I've noticed in training. But as far as sprays and or putting anyone down or anything like that, it doesn't it doesn't come at training. Like a, we just noticed it a lot in match, obviously because he's very passionate about um about getting those three points and, and doing what he can to um to yeah get the victory or, or get ahead or something like that. But yeah. So we got a short turnaround uh, this time, um, and again, so we're going to face Western United at home on Sunday evening. Um, we're back in winning form, so. What do you think that we need to do to either improve or to continue on the pitch uh, to ensure that we can get another three points? Oh, look, well, I see teams like Sydney FC and Melbourne City as, as a few of the best teams in the competition, and we've actually gone and beat both of them now. So I feel like we've actually set the standard for ourselves. You know, If we know that we can beat teams like that, I feel like we, we just need to come together as a team um, and basically work together because I think us at a, if we're playing our best, it doesn't really matter what the opposition team are going to do, you know, or how they play. So I just feel like we need to understand what our role is tactically and on set pieces and, and whatever formation we, we, we play. I feel like it will be the same as the previous weeks. 
Um, but we just need to basically come together. We're obviously coming off a win, which is a, a very important thing because everyone's spirits would already be lifted and already be high. But, um, yeah, look, uh, I just feel like we need to come together, know what we need to do, score a few goals and, and, and get on top again. I feel like that's the most important thing. So one thing that is really noticeable is that um, there really isn't a moment in the match when we don't look like we are working at top capacity and that, that must take some, some sort of fitness. So what can you tell us about the fitness regime and how that's been, you know, from season start? I, I imagine it's pretty tough going, but it's certainly paying off in spades by the look of it. How is that um, to experience? Yeah, look, from the, from the start of pre-season, um, that's basically when I came in, um, where all I know is that every single session we've got some some component of running in there, some component of conditioning. We're always working, we're always like giving it everything. You know that by the end of training, everyone is is completely exhausted. You know, um, and I think that plays a, a main role. Like we have our rest days. Um, don't get me wrong, which is allows us to recover. But when we're in at training, everyone's given 110. percent You know that we know that we've got our squad depth, so everyone wants that those starting positions so everyone just works works hard and works hard and um yeah basically just pushes everyone up to be um to be doing our best but look the the coaching staff have put together um all of that now conditioning coach as well luca um he he plays a main role in all of that and, and um yeah that has a massive role like you see us when we lose the ball you see the recovery runs to get into the box when we don't have the ball like it's it's second to none like i feel like we're, we're the best team in the competition at at getting back and working hard, you know, and as soon as we win the ball, it's everyone going forward and it's not just two players attacking, like there's either three, four, five players in the box. So I feel like that that is a is a massive advantage for our team in compared to most of the other um, A-League teams because at the end of the day, we're always going to be a threat, you know. No matter what the score is or no matter what minute it is, we're always going to be a threat because every, everyone's completely fit, so no one's really got an excuse. Love to hear it, mate. And yeah, you can definitely see it paying off on the pitch and in the results so far this year. Jaden, thank you uh, once again so much for your time this afternoon. We'll um, we'll let you go and uh, get on with your evening. But um, wonderful to chat with you. And uh, let's go again on Sunday, hey? Yeah, no problem, mate. Thanks so much. See you guys later. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Catch thank up you, soon. Cheers, mate. So some other Central Coast Mariners things, of course. We have another pretty short turnaround this week, uh, taking on Western United at Central Coast Stadium on Sunday at 6pm. Of course, it's Kids Go Free again this Sunday. Um, Up to four free kids tickets with uh, any purchase of an adult ticket, I believe. Pretty good initiative by the club. Yeah, very good. Very good. Are are we we back to... What capacity are we back to? I need to get back to you on that. <laughs> oh, I was asking the right person there. I think I saw something yesterday it was back to 100%. It's 100% asterisked. Um, okay. So it, it depends on the um, uh, the, the actual higher um, of the venue. So Central Coast Stadium itself can accept 100%, um, but the higher of the venue may say, no, we can only open up to 50 or 75. Which would be us, the club. Which would be us instructed Obviously. by the A-League. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I, I think... It'll be, it'll be interesting to see... I mean, midweek games are a never good sign on the coast for crowds. 
unless it's like I don't think even without any COVID restrictions or anything like that, last night we would have got a crowd much bigger. We might have got four and a half, maybe. What was it like last that. night? Three thousand. Three thousand and seventy-three. Yeah. yeah. So I I think maybe maybe like another fifteen hundred maybe on a normal night. I'm not really sure, but it'd be interesting to see what we get on Sunday uh, at a relatively normal-ish game time. Off the back of a win, of course. Um, top, top of the, the table. table. <laughs> Jinx. Jinx. Um, and, uh, of course, um, oh, and, yeah, as you say, at a, at a rel- relatively decent time as well. I mean, it might be a little bit late for some Is it seven? kids. Six. Uh, Six p.m. Six, yeah. So, you know, eight o'clock finish. I think it's a pretty reasonable time. Little Johnny be... doesn't need maths. Just bring it to the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't worry about right. it. No, it's, uh, football's more important, so get around it. Get around being top of the table. What else have we got? Um, buses going down to Gong when we take on the Wollongong Phoenix on uh, Sunday the 14th of February. And of course, contact the club for details on that one. Uh, all the info will be at ccmariners.com.au. Very romantic day as well, Valentine's Day. What so more? What more could you want? Football on Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day against the Wollongong Fire Chickens. Can't <laughs> the wait. Wollongong Fire Chickens. <laughs> the Wollongong. Oh, gosh. Such um, a good place to go, too. I'm looking forward well, to going I'm, down there. Yeah, great stadium. Um, fun place. Been there a whole bunch of times. Last mm. time for any type of football was FFA Cup. Yep. Uh, the first year of the FFA Cup against... Um, the Wolves. The Wolves, obviously. Yeah. Um, that was a really fun night. Fun drive. Um, with the little group down there that we had. That was a cracking night. I think the last time I was at Wynn Stadium was in the in the Usain Bolt era, um, just before he made his debut for the club. He was sitting on the bench that night uh, in a preseason game against the Wolves. Yeah, you were there. I was there. I was ground announcer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, us and Brisbane are first and second in the league, lads. It's kind of like the old days again, the good old days. Yep, one hundred percent. Coming back, Rossellina. Uh, I don't know if they're exactly Rossellona back, but <laughs> Brisbane, yeah, Brisbane are kind of a weird side at the moment because they've got some good young talent. Like I said before, Windsor Halls, very good. He's then the number one. And then you've got that. Out. Then you've got that old head. Did I say it wrong again? No, no, no. You got oh, it right. I, I thought you were laughing because I said it wrong. <laughs> no, I just love Denzel Wenzel Halls. That's my I, I get it wrong. <laughs> I get it wrong all the time. Wenzel, yeah, Wenzel Halls is right, but Denzel Wenzel Halls. Denzel Wenzel Halls. Spot on. Should be his name. Um, uh. They've got some good young talent, and they've got sort of the old head in there, like with your Scott McDonald and um, O'Shea. You know, Aldred as well. Aldred, there's, I there's. Don't yeah. rate Scott McDonald. I don't know if it's just because I really don't like him, but I definitely don't rate him. Do you hold a grudge I've, against him I've for I've his scored, appearances? For I've scored as many Soccero's goals <laughs> as, Scott, as Scott McDonald has. <laughs> Have you scored as many SPL goals though? No, yeah. not close. <laughs> Neither. Celtic, Celtic legend. Don't talk down about him. <laughs> Okie dokie. Other A-League or uh, Australian League things. Um, Mitchell Duke is returning to Western Sydney after a pretty short-lived stint over in Saudi Arabia. This is weird. I I hate this sort of stuff when they try and build it up to some massive thing. He scored one goal in 12 games. Over there? Yeah. Mm. Something like that. And now he's coming back and apparently going to be the saviour. It's like the Abe Simpson gif of the... 
putting the hat on the on the hanger. Yeah. And then walking straight back <laughs> yeah. out. Walked in, walked out. Walk in, walk out. I do have a question about this, though, because I'm not entirely uh, across how the salary cap works in the A-League in terms of loans, um, whether his wages fall under the um, Wanderer's salary cap or, or whether whether they don't count towards the cap or, yeah. or how that works. I would imagine his club in Saudi Arabia are probably contributing because I doubt he would fit under God, the cap. No. Yeah, no, the money he's uh, on over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would probably take up most of the cap. Yeah. Um, if not the entire thing. Um, but surely someone's got to check their books. Well, when the cap's what? What's the cap now? 1.8 uh, two, or something? 2.7, I think. Oh, sorry, 2.1. 2.1, yeah. So that's not a lot when you look across their squad. No, you've and, got you know, players like... Simon Cox will be on Cox, Muller, Muller will be on, on fairly big dollars if he's not marquee. Yeah. Um, but then you've got Ziggy Gordon, who took a pay a slight pay rise to go there. You've got Bernie Abini, who was the highest paid player at the Jets, mm. who took a pay rise to go there. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and you've got James Troisi, who was, I think, Adelaide's second highest player. Paid player. Maybe maybe Duke's getting paid by the Newcastle cap, considering the Wanderers sort of own <laughs> Newcastle. So there's well, some yeah. weird cap stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's where it falls. Yeah, his contract is actually Newcastle, but then he's been loaned out by Newcastle back to Western Sydney, and the yeah. whole thing is an absolute debacle. Speaking of debacles, um, Tubergate. Who is the Tuber guy? Who is who is the Tuber guy? And what actually happened there? Of course, for anyone who's not entirely across Tubergate. During a W League broadcast the other week, um, absolutely inexplicably, um, the feed cut to a dude sitting in his bedroom with a tuber in the background, just sitting on his computer, just clicking, clicking away. away. <laughs> clicking away. <laughs> Turns out he's actually one of the um, uh, producers that Fox has outsourced to. Um, he does a lot of sort of video production himself um, and is a big fan of brass music. Obviously. <laughs> this is this is peak Fox when it comes to football. Oh mate. Absolute peak. Yeah, it's it's they've got one camera at everybody A League game, they've got the worst angles for VAR in history, and then the W League coverage cuts to a guy with a giant tuber in the background. And this of course happened only a few days after Fox came out and apologized for a couple of errors that had been occurring in, in their um, football production and assured us all that it wouldn't happen again. And our government paid them a very large oh, amount of money to do this. So, oh, oh. yes, because they want to enhance women's football and fair play. But that's um, a can of worms. That's destroying women's football, not fair. You know, not enhancing it. And uh, yeah, what was it I whinged about last week? The cameras. Yeah. Fair play to them. I did see that there were more cameras at the last match. Okay, and I did see. I gave them my GoPro. Oh, yeah, that's probably what they were. <laughs> but I did see that the lines for offside were slightly better in, uh, what was it, the City versus Perth game. So mm. so I feel like they have actually been heeded by the criticism that's been out there and maybe done something about it. But but the Tuba man, really? I just, I just, I can't. When you get paid $40 million by the government to enhance the, the broadcasting of the women's game, and not only that, but you on-sell the rights to ABC for $30,000 a game as well, boggles the mind. The way they approach our game is it feels like some of the you know innuendo out there that they are degenerating the value of the game so that they can take the next rights at a cheap price and uh, really annoy us for the long-term future, well, which, you know, I, at this point in time, I can't see the back of Fox fast enough. And to be yeah. honest, I'm a subscriber and I keep every week, I try to think of ways that I can get off Fox and still <laughs> still watch the MotoGP, the F1 and the A-League. Yeah, I was, um, I was more than happy to not renew my KO subscription 
in the off season, and I'm um, uh, fleecing the Fox subscription from Mum and Dad <laughs> on my phone to Chromecast. I just want to pay back some <laughs> so of their I'm not, cruelty. I'm not, I'm not paying for it, and I'm not paying for anything. Foxtel related. And a very warm welcome soon. to Foxtel Frauds Department, <laughs> who may be listening in this week. <laughs> come, hey, get, hey, come get we're me. Allowed to, we're allowed to have five logins. I'm just putting that out there. Yeah. Uh, Steve, dear, okay. Steve, I haven't changed my password. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, couple of other games that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Sydney were too good for MacArthur in an absolute storm down there. I think they finished 3-0. Um, Milligan getting sent off pretty early in the piece. And the, uh, the Sydney fans got fleeced 50 bucks for an away ticket. Yeah, well, Bay, I mean, so did, ticket. so did we. Yep. So, yeah. But they have now actually reduced their away bay pricing to, I think it's $37 uh, for the game against the Wanderers. So, yeah, really just great work, guys. Yeah. $45 for home active at MacArthur. That's an absolute joke. Bargain. What a bargain. The for, way they try to defend it. For a club that pays, I think it's $1 a year rent on their stadium is the agreement they have. To be fleecing supporters out of yep. that amount of money is just ludicrous. It is robbery and I'm not happy. Franchise. <laughs> Fran- Pe- Frank yeah. franchise league. Yeah, and they, they've also... There's all these issues with their active. They've trademarked <laughs> the bullpen and now there's like a splinter cell group that's also called the bullpen that's trying to say that they're the official active and is the he- other active is all connected to the club. And yeah. Oh, that's a great Twitter yeah. wormhole if you want to go down yeah, that. Yeah, it is. It is. Active, an active support group owned by the club just doesn't work. No. no. no before no, we um, before we go on, have I mentioned that I am really pissed with Fox? No. Um, <laughs> I, I just want to add there that the idea that the game in Sydney being delayed, delayed the coverage of the other game. Now, oh, yeah. look, look, this is a convenience for viewers, perhaps, and it's certainly a convenience for Fox, obviously. But the idea that they would actually interfere with a sporting contest in that way, it just... It's, it's just on the list of all of those cruel things I've just been whinging about. I could they have not again. just put it on another channel? No, because they couldn't, you know, ruin the coverage of the 1979 NRL Grand Final that That's they had. That's being replayed for the 14th time <laughs> that day. Yeah. Bring back, bring back the red button. Oh no, no, on Fox 505 at the exact same time was South African County Cricket. That's what you I don't want to watch. miss out on that. No, which Beautiful. is insane to me. But anyway, that's just Fox. Just wow. And you know what? The thing that gets me is that when I whinge about this sort of stuff, people sometimes act like I'm just being a whinger. And I think to myself, hang on, you've been conditioned to think that this rubbish is acceptable. Mm. And, uh, and, and we have, to some extent, been conditioned to think that what Fox delivers to us is what we need. It's absolute bollocks. Oh, for Fox's sake. Save us, Optus. <laughs> You're on a... Stop it. <laughs> You're on a morrow joke exactly. roll today. I might as well leave now. I think it's the heat. It's the heat in this room getting to you. <laughs> I'm just on a high, guys. I'm just on a high. Okie dokie. It is that time of the pod where we get to your questions. And um, thank you all so much once again for submitting your questions across the various types of social media this week of course we start with uh, dave bloom dave has a very interesting one um would you rather drink two liters of your own urine or two liters of your own sweat lads it concerns me a great deal that there's a need to answer such questions but i'm going with urine on the proviso on the proviso that earlier i have drunk at least four liters of water <laughs> Well, I know how much I stink after I go to the gym. 
I know how much water I drink, so I'm going to go Euron. <laughs> oh. oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> Come on, Hale. you gotta, you got to have an answer. All right, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just hop on the Bear Girls train and say Euron. I'm going to sweat. <laughs> how are you going to collect that? No. Stop already. <laughs> I'm just going to go on like a five-day bender, drink a load of whiskey, and then uh, just keep topping myself up, essentially, as I sweat it out. And it depends what type of wee it is, too. Is it hydrated or non-hydrated? <laughs> That's why the four liters for me, mate. Yeah. All right, let's move away from this. <laughs> Please, <laughs> quickly. Uh, Jarks, Michael, is it coming home? Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. It's coming home from Football first. is officially coming home. It's Coming home. Uh, Martin Rayner, there have been some outstanding individual performances over the first six games of the season. Who is your pick for player of the first six rounds? I think the best thing about this question is that there's multiple answers that have, all have merit. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, it's still Ron Tongik for me. I would say Tongik as well and second for Ollie. Yeah, I, until you went with Ollie, then I was going to say just to be different because I think Tongich is probably it, then I would have gone Ollie because he's just come back and he I don't know who he is, but he's not that bloke um, who was a great uh, young fellow back when we won a grand final. He's just this machine that, yeah, fantastic. Absolute leader. Yeah, I'd have to say Ollie um, for, followed very closely, if not equal, by Tongich. Special um, shout out, Niz. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's an absolute breakout season so far for Niz. Um, Lee Cooper, um, this is one that Lee actually asked last week, uh, but unfortunately just missed the cut. Um, are we worried all our players are going to be poached at the end of the season? Um, are we at all worried that Stadge might be poached? I had not thought about that, but now I'm worried. <laughs> <laughs> I take I'm, it as a badge of honour that there is a chance that, that others would be interested, to be perfectly frank. Yeah. And, and if we are performing to such a level that um, that, that is warranted, then... Thank you. Yeah, it's it's the risk you run with success. And, and I mean, Stadge had a big point to prove with the everything that happened with him, and he's now, you know, proven himself as a quality A League coach with a team on the lowest budget. And mm. it's possible. I hadn't thought about it until that question, but it's possible. Yes. Well, you look at you look at clubs like Melbourne City, who've got Patrick Casnorbo in charge, for example. Absolute. Joke. <laughs> not, not, I think joke maybe is a, a bit harsh, but he's a pumper. Um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're the kind of club that would flick him in a heartbeat and then just throw oodles of cash at someone like Stadge yeah. um, to get him in. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a concern there. Um, I think he's starting to prove the critics and doubters and naysayers wrong. So, um, as Moz said, it's a, it's a badge of honour, but, yeah, I hope it doesn't happen. I yeah, I mean, I, I, I think from... What we've seen so far of stage, what he's said in the media, which, you know, when it comes to footballs and coaches, needs to be probably sometimes taken with a grain of salt. But a couple of times I've had a conversation with him in person. Seems a pretty loyal guy. Um, I think I think being at this club suits him. You know, I don't know what his thoughts are with the FFA. I imagine they're still not great, but... Sorry, FA. Um, I imagine they're still not ideal or he doesn't have a that high of an opinion of them but I feel like at this club he has more of a point to prove rather than yeah. if he was at a city or a Sydney or a victory like at, at this club his story is better other than money what the other clubs have over us right now yeah. of how well we're going yeah 
I would say that if we do get a transfer system in place, that this stuff, it won't help with the stud situation, I know, but in the player stakes, then at least it'll feel more comfortable that when we lose players to other A-League clubs, if that were to happen, then that will feel more comfortable for us because it's, even though there's always been a bit of, you know, frustration there when players have gone overseas and because they've been successful here, Tommy Rogic springs to mind, Mm. then to me... I've loved that. I've loved the fact that we've been that focus and uh, we've, uh, you know, helped a bloke along the path to, to take him to something really big. So, you know, it's really hard for me to... It's also the thing about the players. You, you sort of... Sometimes you, you speak to these players and you see them around and they, they really put their heart into your club. You want them to succeed, mm. you know? So, anyway. Mm. Um, now, Lee also has a question from this week. Um, he mentions that... He feels Stens has uh, a fair amount of responsibility for both of City's goals last night. Do you guys think that he was exhausted or was it the lack of Ollie being there? We touched on this before, but I think it might have been with Bazanic missing, he sort of had more of a role. And But then again, we mentioned before, he actually contributed to two of our goals. So it sort of, do the positives outweigh the negative? Yeah, I mean, he's put in a mountain of work over the first five games um, would not surprise me if it's going to depend on what happens with Ollie as well maybe but if he's rested on Sunday I wouldn't be overly surprised um, but yeah I think he 100% missed Ollie had to play a slightly different role um, is more suited to the role he's played in the first sort of five games um, yeah. but yeah I wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if he's sort of feeling it a bit and where it where it really impacts us in concentration he, he just la- lacked that concentration in a couple of key moments mm. and i'll admit that when one of those happened that's what i screamed out was you've got to concentrate there because that's to me like just momentarily like you know switch off for a moment it's not mm. you know the skills it's not the effort it's none of that it's just switching off in the in the head momentarily um and yes when he has a bit more responsibility and he hasn't really been rested like some have Tough job for a young player who is really going places, actually, I think. Yeah, agreed. And, um, you know, obviously, the I think he's eligible for the New Zealand under-23 still. Um, so, you know, international call-ups. Potentially on the on the horizon there, um, which leads nicely into one of Ad's questions from the CCM fans. Forum shout-out to Ad's. He's mentioned that Sten's uh, qual Nizzi roles likely for international duties this year, which we could almost feel comfortable with now that we have some depth. Do you think maybe Tongyik or Danny De Silva or, you know, that any others within that scope to um to add to that list? There's a lot now. There yeah. is. We've got Dan Bauman as well, um, who's yeah. been pretty ever-present in the Oli Roo setup. I like that he's mentioned Qual in there as well, something that we touched on earlier in the pod, and Nizzy's got to be an absolute shoe-in for the Oli Roos on his current form. Yeah, and it'll be, I think, we spoke about this either last week or the week before where... I don't know what's happening with the Oli Roos or training mm. camp mm-hmm. dates or if the Olympics are going to go ahead then they're going to have to play games before that. There's some warm-ups. How they go about doing that, I have no idea. But it, it could be a point in the season where we're missing... I don't know if they they could have a cap on players from A-League clubs that they're allowed to take. It might be three or four. I don't know. They might take as many as they want. Um, but if we end up missing four or five players, that's going to be a huge loss. Yeah, I mean, if we Massive lose, test. if we lose, you know, De Silva, Stens, and, and Nizzi all at the same time, for example. Mm. Ouch. 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 Can I just plant the seed of um, pretty sure that if Gianni Stensness doesn't play a first team game, that we've still got a chance to cap him here? 
So um, yeah, true. Not out of the question <laughs> there either. Gun stands. <laughs> and um, he only scores bangers as well. Stands. He won goal of the year, of course, for the Mariners last year, and then he he scored that absolute screamer at the uh, what was it, the Under Twenties World Cup mm. a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, so he's yeah, he's good for one banger a season. I can't wait for this year's one. Mm. Hmm. Um, Scott Beecham, uh, he asks, seeing as you seem to, seeing as you seem like you were so good at picking the score on Mariners TV, uh, Pete, can we please have next week's lotto numbers? <laughs> so yes, I did pick three, two with a Simo anytime goal scorer, as I mentioned earlier. Um, no, you can't. They're mine. Finally, as we uh, look to wrap up this pod, as we slowly die from heat exhaustion here at the Sweatbox of Excellence, it is, of course, time to uh, have a quick look at how the uh, Coast Football Ramble podcast tipping competition is looking. Top of the league this week is Jono, uh, with three correct tips from week six. Um, Please stop the hurter in second. Big Will uh, moves up to third. ESPN Footy Tips user has slid all the way down to fourth. Uh, Matt in fifth and Murder on Zidane's floor in sixth. Um, Aaron sliding out of the top 10 there in 11th now. Well, I won't tip us in recent games, so it serves me right. <laughs> Fred also uh, sliding down the table there to 16th. And, uh, well, Pete Pryor <laughs> down in 32nd after only getting one correct tip this round. Have you even tipped anything, Luke? No. No. <laughs> um, that's right. I'm in pretty good company in 32nd place, uh, tied with SGM, last year's competition winner. So uh, it's me and you, Steve. Um, let's go head to head this week. And the uh, the person in 17th that's ready, steady, spoon, you need to change that because it's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> no, as I said, it is coming home. And speaking of coming home, I think it's time for all of us to uh, wrap this and pack this and get home ourselves. Not a bad idea. We're um, Get out of this rambling. sauna. It's about 36 degrees in this room because we were kicked out by some corporates. <sighs> Bloody suits. Bloody suits. <laughs> no good. Middle management. Uh, but we still go through the hard yards to bring you the ramble each week. And, uh, well, it's because we, uh, of course, we love you so dearly, don't we? Of course we do. <laughs> and how good is it to be motivated to do a podcast all of a sudden? The Coast Football Positivity so Podcast. So many winning pods. Oh. Top of the league. Imagine it. Imagine being anywhere else. Living the absolute dream. All right, that is it from us this week here on the Coast Football Ramble. Thank you all so much for tuning in once again, and uh, we will catch you next time. Love you. See ya. Bye. <laughs> Kenny Lowe. <laughs> <laughs>